We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Thursday, November 9th. No notable birthdays today, but it is Kendrick Perkins' birthday tomorrow. Um, so plan accordingly. Uh, we had Deron Lamb's birthday earlier this week, James. And I asked DJ and Alex, who I hosted with on Tuesday, you know, as a Deron Lamb fan myself, obviously Deron Lamb kind of busted out of the NBA in like two and a half years. Uh, you know, which draft prospects did you fall in love with who ended up being major busts? DJ and Alex didn't really have much of a list. I know you're much more of a draft guy than either of those two are. Uh, so I'm very much interested to hear guys over the last 10 to 15 years who you loved coming out of college were sure they were going to be good NBA players and then ended up being complete duds like Deron Lamb. That's a great question. Uh, I'm going to actually take some of the show to think about it because you're really putting me on the spot. I mean, that's a okay. that's a... I could I could probably give you like a list of twenty guys. Um, no, I respect I, your decision to not rush into this. Yeah. Um, it's a list that you you certainly don't want to rush into. So, do you want to let me know, like at any point over the next sure. forty I'll, minutes or so? I'll raise my hand. And yeah. You can call don't even me. raise your hand. Just whatever we're talking about. Just yeah. kind of interrupt and say, you know, I have my list. 
Okay, uh, so while you rue on that, uh, Eric Bledsoe was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. Did you hear about that? I did. That was that was pretty fun news to wake up to. I, it was. Y- yes, I did wake up Literally to it. Literally woke up to it myself, too, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I... I think you put me on the spot. Was that last week or the week before about whether the Bucks were going to make a move? Um, I think it was a true or false. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I, I kind of based it on the fact that I think ownership really wants to win this year, and so I, I said yes, but I wasn't super confident. Uh, if I'd known that this was all it was going to take to get Bledsoe, I would have said absolutely yes. Uh, but well, that, so does this in your mind? Does this qualify as a quote unquote big deal? I think it does, especially yeah. for a team like Milwaukee. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it was a trade that you know led off most nba shows that day slash week uh it, it led off the the rotowire nba podcast yes right. yes uh so yeah i mean i i think they they still it's not like this was like some final piece that all of a sudden puts them on par with like the the wizards and uh the celtics or whoever you want to say are like the top top challengers for that number two spot in the east but uh definitely Definitely a trade that kind of raises their ceiling, although I, I still think they need to make a, another move or two. So what type of move is that? I mean, I'm not saying, like, what player do they need to go out and get, but... Well, they're just, I mean, their front court is just a joke. I mean, it, it was kind of a joke before that trade, and now they, you know, you have guys like Thon Maker, John Henson that can't guard anyone down low, and I just think that there aren't granted there aren't a ton of teams in the league that can really punish you but i mean even just a guy like kevin love was just wrecking them uh steven I'm, adams last week had yeah, thon, yeah. I mean, within like three minutes into the game it was clear that thon just could not rebound against steven right adams. i mean there are what like probably probably 15 or so big men that i think up against this bucks front court would right. just have Which a field is half day. the league yeah, that's kind yeah. of a problem some uh, of those guys are on the same team right. but like shout you know, out to the falcons at you know at worst like a third of the league is just going right. to dominate them down low right now so in giving up Greg Monroe, uh, I don't I don't know that he's necessarily just a throw-in. Uh, I saw a lot of people say, you know, oh, you know, Milwaukee's finally gets out from under that Monroe contract. Like he was expiring anyway. You know, I don't, I don't. If he had another year left on his deal, and they traded him, maybe I would view it that way. But I, I don't think Milwaukee was actively looking to dump Monroe by any means. I think if they I don't think they wanted this, to. Yeah, right. If yeah. I mean in order, I think they would have probably given up Delhi and then Toledovich and then Henson or- and or. Monroe at three. Well, I think those the first three you named are in their own tier, and then Monroe. Like because Monroe, you'd still happily give him minutes in sure. a in a postseason series. The other three, right. you don't want to have to play. Well, I, I don't think. I mean, yeah, ideally no, but I, it's not like they're. I don't think they're actively trying to get rid of any of those guys. I think you needed to get rid of one of them to make the money work right. in this deal. I think of the four, you don't, Monroe, think, you don't think they'd want to get rid of those other deals? Well, I mean, in this scenario, yes. Like, if you have to get rid of one of them to get Eric Bledsoe, yeah, of course you want to. But I don't I don't think – the point I'm trying to make is I don't think they were trying to get rid of Greg Monroe. I think no, Greg Monroe was just a way to get Eric Bledsoe. And if they had their choice, they would have gotten rid of somebody else. Uh, and Phoenix doesn't want those other three guys that we mentioned <laughs> because they all have multiple years left on their deals. So, uh, I mean, I saw a lot of people didn't necessarily love this deal for the Suns. And I think it's hard to get excited about, you know, the picks when you see all the protections and it's really tough to predict how those are going to go. But considering they had zero leverage, maybe the the least amount of leverage that we've ever seen in a trade like this, to get someone like Monroe, who at the very least you could flip for maybe a, a late protected first rounder or a second rounder, uh, to get out from the remaining $15 million on Bledsoe's contract next year, 
I think it could have been worse because it's not like Bledsoe was giving them anything. He wasn't even around the team. It was a distraction. Uh, so to get rid of that, get rid of some cap space, and then get Monroe as an asset, I don't think the Suns could have done a whole lot better than that. Yeah, it, from the sounds of things, it, like getting a expiring deal was their top priority. Mm-hmm. And if that was their top priority, they did it. Uh, they weren't getting that from Denver. I don't think Denver had a expiring to give up, and yeah, Not I mean, one that would have so, matched. Yeah. So I mean, you could question their motives as to whether that should have been the thing they were aiming for. It, it kind of remains to be seen whether they can use that cap space to absorb a bad deal and add an asset like a la the the Nets getting D'Angelo Russell if they can use that space for that then maybe it ends up working out okay in the end but I I mean I it's they were kind of in a lose-lose mm-hmm. just the way they handled the Bledsoe situation dating all the way back to when they benched him last year and when they were tanking I mean it's just kind of a, a how to not handle a player that you're looking to trade I mean they just did everything they could to submarine his value Right. It's a case of an organization kind of, you know, I don't even know what the right word is, trying to convince himself, convince itself that a situation is different than it actually is in reality. And I think two games into the season, there were a couple of things that uh, the Suns probably realized they should have done a few months earlier. One of those trading Bledsoe, one of those firing Earl Watson. Uh, but they've at least looked like a competent NBA team since uh, Bledsoe was, was sent away from the team and since Watson was fired. So the Bucks don't play tonight. Weird schedule this week in the NBA. There's only been like four or five games all week. Usually Wednesdays are loaded up with 10, 11, 12 games or only a handful last night. Thursdays are usually only a two-game night. There's five games tonight uh, and then a, a bunch on Friday and Saturday. So the Bucks are back in action in San Antonio on Friday. That's an ESPN game. I assume that's when we're going to see Eric Bledsoe. We don't know. Part of this is Jason Kidd does weird things. Part of it is Eric Bledsoe's only been in Milwaukee for like a day and a half. I don't know if he's going to start. I think he's going to see minutes. Um, you know, I talked about this with DJ off air the other day. The 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 point I think for Milwaukee is that you no longer have a void offensively when Giannis is off the floor. You know, obviously they're going to start Bledsoe once he's up to speed. But I think ideally what you're going to see is some sort of staggering where they start the game together. Maybe Giannis goes out after eight minutes or Bledsoe goes out after six minutes. And at some point, one of those two is always on the court because the problem so far for Milwaukee this year is that their offense has been completely stagnant, less than a hundred points per hundred possessions with Giannis off the floor. Yeah. I think, you know, the most immediate question to me is just who, heads to the bench once Bledsoe's up to speed I assume it's going to be Brogdon and then how many minutes does Matthew Delvadova still get and particularly how many crunch time minutes does does he get I mean he like a lot of the Bucks, like basically everyone other than Giannis has been very frustrating for the majority of the season and Delvadova is probably at the top of that list and and a large part of that is just Jason Kitt's fault for playing him so much and and over uh, better players late in games. So I think part of this move is to just kind of take the decision-making a little bit out of kids' hands, you know, where here's a guy that you sort of have to play. Uh, but I also think it's it's kind of a test for kid because, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, if, if they end up getting the sixth seed or something this year, I, I don't think he should feel great about his job security uh, heading into the offseason. I think that they would be – well within reason to to make a change so i think they're kind of giving him pieces 
Uh, and, you know, he might even just sort of hang himself here if he, if he kind of does the wrong thing and kind of sticks by some guys that uh, he shouldn't stick by. Like, it's things could could get ugly for him violent imagery okay (laughs) well it's and it's also uh i don't know if bledsoe necessarily fits into his style necessarily uh especially on the defensive end where they like to uh double guys get the ball out of players hands i think now they have a a lineup where I, i feel like you should be able to go straight up against most players and we'll kind of see what what changes he makes in season yeah, I mean the Bucks haven't been good on defense, so I think a change scheme wise might be in the works regardless. Um, so we had no what? I was just <laughs> laughing at your reaction to my violent imagery. <laughs> um, we had no coaches change uh, or be, get fired, or obviously any coaches hired in the off season. Uh, Watson fired a couple games into the year. Right now, I, mean, I think Jason Kidd is is certainly on the hot seat with Milwaukee, you know, sitting at four and six right now, a team that most people just penciled into the top five in the East. What uh, one or two other coaches right now would you, if you were handicapping, who's next to get fired, uh, who, whose job might be in a little bit of danger? Uh, Mike Malone, and that's you know too early to tell. I mean, it's it's kind of like with Kid. I think he's in almost the exact same spot Kid is where. Yeah. If he wins enough games, he's safe. If he, if the team underperforms, he's out of there because I don't. I think the with both of these situations, I think going into the year, it's not like there was a ton of harmony between uh, the coach and the the GM. So I think Malone's kind of an obvious call. Uh, hmm. It is tough. I don't, I don't think uh, there's anybody like some of the teams that are struggling. You know, OKC. I don't think they're going to fire Billy Donovan. Utah's five and six. They're not firing Quinn Snyder. Sacramento, Dave Yeager. It seems like Sacramento's fired so many coaches that they almost wouldn't want to just for the, yeah, I the think sake of how that would, would look. They'd probably see this see this through. Um, they did just beat OKC the other night. Yeah, Hoiberg. I, I don't. I think. I think Hoiberg's kind of in Brett Brown purgatory right, right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's kind of, I think it is kind of Mike Malone and and Jason Kidd as, you know, and I can't even really, I can't even see those two teams making a change in season either. So I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't I don't know. I don't even think. I might take the under on another coach getting fired during the season. There's a lot of good coaches right now, like with the exception of Alvin Gentry. I think we're like the league is in pretty good hands. There's a reason that nobody was fired over the season, and the worst coach in the league has already been canned. So uh, let's talk about Lonzo Ball. I texted you last night, I think probably in the second quarter of Lakers Celtics, and said that I, I made the announcement I'm officially worried about Lonzo Ball. Uh, I wasn't necessarily in the camp that he's a can't miss guy. He's going to be a superstar. But this is one of the worst starts ever in terms of efficiency shooting efficiency that we've ever seen from a rookie the assist numbers have been fine the rebounding's been really good he doesn't turn it over all that much he's been better defensively so it hasn't been this complete disaster but relative to expectations and of course the expectations were unfair we have enough of a sample now to see that you know Lonzo Ball isn't going to come into the league and be one of these guys that immediately you kind of pencil in as a future star like we've seen in recent years. You know, John Wall, you knew right away. Kyrie, you kind of knew right away. Damian Lillard, you knew right away. Ben Simmons, I think it's pretty obvious yeah. what type of player he is. Like, 
Alonzo, it's going to take some time to adjust. He makes some nice plays, but he doesn't quite impact the game uh, offensively, especially in the half court, as much as I personally thought he would. No, he. It's this seems kind of cliche to say he just doesn't really pass the eye test. Like when I'm when I'm watching him play, like if you just dropped somebody in and said, "All right, which which of the players on the court was the super super hyped up number two overall pick in this past draft?" You might you might not even be in like your first three picks. Like it, it's just he doesn't look yeah. like a high pedigree guy. He doesn't look special. He just kind of looks like a guy out there. And he looks I, small out there too. He looks yeah. small. He doesn't look expo- explosive. It's he doesn't look skilled. Other than other than his passing, there's nothing he does that you would be like, oh man, look at that. Like, but that's, even that's the passing, cool. like he's very he might, he might be the best rookie in a long time at making the right play. You know, like he right. he never it's, forces anything, which is a good skill. Like but, he, I mean, he's not a he's an above average passer for his age yeah. uh i don't i think he's an i think he's overrated at everything i think he's an overrated passer too cuz like you said like it's not he makes the right play he's good at uh making sort of high, highlight plays maybe isn't the right word but no, just see- like um he'll make like one play that like a like an, an outlet pass or something where people be like oh man but like it's not like he's constantly breaking down the defense and then just like giving a guy like a wide open layup and a lot of his passes a lot of his assists are him just kind of 18 feet from the basket and just being like all right you shoot it Mm -hmm. i don't want to shoot it like right i I would totally disagree on the highlight i haven't seen one highlight play from lonzo ball like i i think a lot of people well the one that like he made that one like outlet pass and everyone was like freaking out about it but like yeah you're right well but i mean an outlet pass like yeah, that is a skill. There's not a lot of guys who can make that pass. But how many of those are you getting a game? Like one, maybe two. Not not even. Like even watching Kyrie last night, there were times where he was breaking down whatever to whoever was on him. It didn't even matter. You know, crossover, fake the layup, drop it for Aaron Baines for a dunk. He did that like three times. And like we haven't seen Lonzo do that one time. Like you said, so many of his assists, and this was also true at UCLA. This was something uh, th- that I talked about before the draft. It was like he's not Jason Williams as a passer. I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. Even ben, the way that Ben Simmons passes, a couple times a game, he'll throw a crazy no-look or he'll be sitting at the top of the key, you know, look one way and fire one in, a perfect pass to Embiid for a dunk. You know, like, Lazo Ball doesn't make those plays. So many of his assists come on drive and kick to Brooke Lopez for a 15-footer. Like, Thomas Welsh gave him, like, five assists a game hitting those little 10-foot jumpers uh, last year. And, and even in Summer League, if you watched, it was a lot of, like, all right, skip pass to Kuzma, three. Those all count as assists, but he's not generating offense that leads to assists if that makes sense off the dribble um which i think a lot of people are probably disappointed by so what's your what's your level of panic if if we're just kind of classifying panic as i wouldn't take him number two anymore like are you are you comfortable saying you wouldn't take him in the top three are you comfortable saying you wouldn't take him in the top five are you comfortable saying you wouldn't take him in the top eight like where okay so we we did this exercise last week i think and we, i think we should exercise. continue doing it it's because a, it's it, change, a great it literally changes night to night um so if you're redoing the draft right now let's just let's not even worry about position fit you know if you're just you're just ranking the prospects as you would take them tatum's probably one um i think it's i mean we're not counting simmons it's, obviously it's so I don't know. I I really struggle with with number one. Uh, I'm fine with saying it's Tatum, but I don't. I feel like that's one where 
So who are the other candidates if it's not Tatum? To me, it's, you know, there's uh, De'Aaron Fox, Josh Jackson, Jonathan Isaac, Laurie Markkinen, Dennis Smith. I feel like all those guys have uh, have a case. And I think it's just, I mean, Tatum's in the best situation by far. Like, I mean, I'm not convinced that we wouldn't be saying the same things about, uh, you know, a guy like Laurie Markkinen or Josh Jackson if they got to be like the afterthought whenever they're out there it's it's mm-hmm. it's a great situation to be in uh you have point guards like dennis smith and and frank uh, neil akina and darren fox who just have a ton of weight on their shoulders right now on on losing teams i feel like it's hard to judge them uh you have josh jacks who's playing without a without a point guard without really any kind of plan of attack on offense uh with a lot of unskilled players around him uh, Markel Fultz, obviously, we just it's don't really know. Um, I mean, that's I think Fultz's first ball right now is a good one. Like, yeah. would you would you take the guy who's <laughs> super hurt and like might have the yips, or would you take the guy who hasn't been hurt and just looks like crap? Yeah, it's uh, quite the paradox. Not one that we necessarily thought we'd be into. Uh, I mean, I think like I said, Tatum won. After that, there's a lo- there's a case to be made for a lot of guys, but I don't think I would go ball two. He's still in the top five. Um. But I, you know, I mean, would you take Fox over him? Mm, uh, yeah, I think I would. Would you I think take? I would. would you take uh, Jonathan Isaac over him? Nope, haven't seen enough of him. Would you take Markinen over him? Hell no. I think I might take Markinen over Ball. I would take Dennis Smith over him. Okay. Um, um, would you take Donovan Mitchell over him? That's where it starts to get iffy. Ah. Uh, <laughs> no not quite it'd be close though i don't think i would i i def i for the record would take would take marketing over him i'd take josh jackson over him i'd take tatum over take him Raleigh i'd take fox over him. over him i would take isaac over him i think um I'd, I'd take smith over him do you think the lakers regret it uh probably i think that they kind of have egg on their face uh you know they haven't made a good draft pick, at least one that's panned out for them. They've had all these mm-hmm. top two or number two picks. They're kind of they had to get rid of one to get off his salary. One looks like a bust. The other already kind of looks like a bust. Um, you know, you, if you if you want to rebuild, you kind of have to bat better than zero percent on your number two overall picks in back to back to back drafts. No, that's very true. I mean, somebody tweeted uh, last night that. It- you know, Boston's had back-to-back number three picks that both look like pretty big hits in Brown and Tatum. Lakers have had back-to-back number two picks who are jury's still firmly out on both Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. You can go back to D'Angelo Russell. He's out of the picture. Julius Randle, I think, is going to be out of the picture pretty soon in L.A. He seems to have fallen out of favor. Um, I mean, the way that we talk about this Lakers team, you know, is this great young team with a bunch of assets. The they haven't really hit a home run with any of these guys whatsoever. Uh, Ingram has looked better of late. I was really dogging him after the first few games, but he's looked a little bit better. At the same time, you know, you, you see some of the other young players in the league, and it's tough to get really, really excited about Brandon Ingram when there are other second and third year guys who have looked, you know, twice as good. So, I have my list um, going back to the start of the show. I have six guys who I had fairly high either really high to fairly high expectations of that have not worked out and brandon ingram is one of them i'll go down in order for 
how high I was on them. Uh, Could you go in order of how disappointed you are? <laughs> um, well, no, I'm kidding. Go okay. ahead. So, so Exum, Dante Exum is my number one. I was extremely high on him. He was my second favorite player in that draft. Um, and he threw a lot of stuff that's not his fault, you know, injuries and everything has just, you know, not lived up. He, uh, who was your first favorite player in that draft? Adrian Payne? <laughs> what was that? 2014? That was 2014. So that was a Wiggins Parker draft. Yeah. I, I, my board was Wiggins, uh, Wiggins, Exum, Embiid, Parker. Sure. So I had, I had Exum over Parker, over Embiid. I thought he was going to be a stud point guard. And obviously that has not gone uh, according to plan, Brandon Ingram's number two. It's early, obviously, in his career. A lot of these guys, it's kind of clear cut. But, you know, I thought Ingram was clearly the second best player in that draft, you know, a, a multiple all star, multiple time all star. And that's not looking like the case. Uh, Derek Williams, go Cats. Uh, definitely. I think we all saw that one coming. Definitely didn't. See, I didn't see it coming. I was, I was blinded. Uh, and he's not the only cat on this list. Um, I, you know, I thought he was just going to be a really, really solid starter in the league, and that obviously didn't uh, pan out. Uh, Justice Winslow, I was really high on. Me too. As were the Miami Heat. <laughs> as were the Boston Celtics. Uh, as, as were a lot of teams. Um, that one's not looking very good. Uh, this one's in the wayback machine, but. You know, I thought Tyrus Thomas was going to be pretty good. Um, Who didn't? I, you know, it, it was kind of an all like athleticism tools kind of gamble, but I, I just, I thought that he would, you know, if he added a, a jump shot, I thought he could be pretty dynamic, and that mm-hmm. that didn't work out. And it looks even worse because of the trades that he was involved in on on draft day. And then uh, rounding out the the six player list, Stanley Johnson, go Cats. Oh, come on. Starting small forward, Stanley Johnson? Yeah. You could have just made a list of the former cats. Hassan Adams, Salim um, Stoudemire. Yeah, well, Salim was on my list the other day. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking through some of these drafts, and there, there are others that I, I remember being just way too high. Austin Day was someone that I was Oof. I was ready to anoint Austin Yikes. Day. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm looking at this, this 09 draft. I was a huge – well, I guess this was uh, – was it 08? Yeah, OJ Mayo, obviously. Okay. And, you know, See, some things he couldn't control. To me, you know, he didn't, like, live up to probably your expectations, but I think that – but I think, like, you know, he was a 30-minute-per-game guy on some good teams. He was really good like when he was in the right situation. Right. And he I, was, don't, I don't think he was ever in the right situation. I don't think you can call him, like, just a straight-up bust no, the way you can, like, Derek Williams. He or, averaged 19, 4, and 3 as a rookie yeah, and shot 38% you know. from 3. Like, he was so I, I left good. I left guys like that off where, like, they were guys that maybe I would have taken higher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had, like, like a, a perfect example was, like, Brandon Wright. Um, like, he ended up. He's had a great NBA career. He's gotten yeah, paid. He's, Achilles, been, yeah, he's he, been in the league for right. almost a decade. I mean, I'm not going to count that as a bust. Um, I never. I was always low on him because he wore sweatband on his wrist. Mm. That was kind of something that I flagged early big, at big Kansas. Red flag. Yeah, huge red flags. <laughs> like you can't. There's just not a whole lot of people who have been successful doing that other than Reggie Miller. Uh, speaking of OJ Mayo, do you know what OJ stands for? Uh, I mean, I know with OJ Simpson, it's Orenthal. This is, I think that's a one one time case. Uh, this is definitively not Orenthal. I don't know how you didn't get this. 
Ovintin Ja'Anthony. Ah. Ovintin Ja'Anthony Mayo. Uh, basketball Reference lists his nickname as Grocery List. Not sure that one ever caught on really outside of anywhere. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that was a good list. Uh, if, you, if you're curious as to who else, who else I named on Tuesday, AC Law was on there. That was one I think deep down I always knew he wasn't going to be good. His production in college was like extremely unsustainable, but that didn't stop me from trying to get an AC Law Hawks jersey for Christmas. Marshawn Brooks. And I'm to be fair, Marshawn Brooks' story is far from over. I think he could still turn this thing around. <laughs> Xavier Henry. I, <laughs> I, I almost included it. I, I love Xavier. I, I wasn't I didn't think he'd be you know anything close to an all-star or anything but i thought he'd have a longer nba career than he had yeah and injuries too were an issue yeah. with him he had injuries coming out of high school devin ebanks west virginia mm-hmm. uh, i was like 90 percent sure he was kevin durant 2.0 okay. yeah uh and then this is maybe the biggest one bill walker Ooh, i a, uh, well if we went back far enough like bill walker and sebastian telfair would yeah. be kind of um and dewan wagner right all, all three of those guys probably just because i had a slam magazine didn't, subscription didn't, and those guys right. kept being DeJuan on the wagner cover got hiv didn't he pretty sure yeah something like that That was the rumor uh not great but no bill walker like as an eighth grader i was i was pretty sure that bill walker i was, was follow, be the next i followed him on his way up yep. and you know he seemed like a can't miss guy like there sure. was no nothing cooler than bill walker and oj mayo playing together <laughs> in high school and watching which back then is just crazy like i don't even know where i was watching these mixtapes because youtube was still in its infancy there were twitter was not you know wasn't there were no videos on twitter and, at that point and bill walker it's not like he was even a like he busted before the draft like he like he was like a college bust well he like he tore his acl right. senior year in high school i mean he was right. the number two player in the country yeah. tore didn't, his acl put on a bunch of weight yeah. and then became like a bruising didn't he play on the michael beasley K-State he did. team yeah and then he's i mean he was i mean he, he was, was like a, way he out was of a, shape he was a quality right. college basketball player. he was really good like, i thought uh, for what he was like yeah. he was clearly not 100 percent. he had it was kind of like a jabari situation where he went from being this freak athlete and then just kind of didn't quite have the same skill when he came back uh but i mean he ended up making a kind of an odd career in the nba was he with the knicks not that long ago i think the mm. heat for a while yeah all right let's take a quick break so i can tell the listeners about SeatGeek. buying tickets can be complicated and confusing but there's a better way to buy and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will help you get closer to the action for a great value. I know I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, James. I don't know if he does or not. I'm going to assume he does. Uh, I've been using it of late to try to get tickets for the Big Ten Championship game. My Wisconsin Badgers will most likely be there. James, Minnesota Gophers, probably not looking like that's going to be the case. Uh, But SeatGeek saves you time and money, searches multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Plus, to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available as well. Best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ROTONBA. That's promo code ROTO, R-O-T-O, NBA. That'll get you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. The main topic we wanted to talk about, um, this was during our little text thread during Lakers Celtics last night. I was thinking to myself, like, I, there's no player in the league right now who I enjoy watching more than Kyrie. 
And maybe that's just because I think you know, I see a lot of Kyrie in myself yeah. in our rec league games. Yeah. That's probably it. There's something that's, going on there. You could trade games with any player. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No doubt. Uh, it would be Kyrie. And his handle is like elevated to another level. I think that's part of it. There was a debate last year if he was still, if he was the best ball handler in the league or if it was Steph or if it was Joel Crawford or whoever. Like it's firmly Kyrie at this point. I don't think it's really all that close. So I texted you and said, all right, make a list of your 10 players uh, that you have to watch in the NBA on a given night. If there's a bunch of games on League Pass, who are you tuning in to see? I just said Kyrie is my number one. Who is your number one? Uh, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, from I, the Milwaukee Bucks? I think that that's, you know, that's definitely not a hot take. I, I, who do you think is a hotter or is like a less hot take out of Kyrie and, and Giannis right now? I think Giannis is a less hot take. He's on my list, but he's not number one for me because I think you, you're probably in the same boat too. Like I've watched 90% of Giannis' game since he came into the league and like the, the novelty for me has like somewhat worn off. I tried so hard in this exercise to... Um, not to to score kind of against that like there there are superstars on my list that if i had just been like you know right in the moment like i might have left off completely but it's just like no you have to i feel i feel like you kind of have to pull yourself you know out back from the situation a little bit and just say you know who not based on your past history of how many times you've seen them but just like who is the most exciting player, I feel like. You bashing my list? Yeah, I'm already bashing your okay, list. We're one um, spot in. Giannis to me is just yeah, and and I try to reward. Uh, you know, I like watching two way players. I like watching, uh, you know, really good passers and um, Giannis just as a two way player and like the stuff he, the places he finishes from, like in the in the half court and just the embarrassing stuff he can do to people mm-hmm. uh, in transition is is pretty great. Did you watch Bucks Cavs earlier this week? Uh, I watched some of it. There was somewhere in the second half, I want to say late third quarter, the Bucks got a steal, pushed it ahead to Giannis, and Kyle Korver was back and was in perfect position. And Giannis, like, in Kyle Korver is what thirty six and you know white and whatnot, so it's not like anything was going to happen there, no matter who it was. But Giannis just went like through him like he was not even there it was right. a, like it didn't even look like Giannis adjusted for the six foot six man standing in front of the basket and just dunked like it was a wide open fast break it was it was insane and like Corver backed off a little bit but I, I mean Giannis has gotten to the point where plays like that are so routine mm-hmm. that it's it's just it's really unbelievable how far he's come so we'll do snake draft uh you get two who's your second <laughs> uh Steph Curry Steph Curry I still like Honestly, when when he's going, uh, and they're at home specifically, like I, no player kind of gets me as jacked up as as Steph Curry when he's just making crazy shot after crazy shot, uh, and just kind of the the amount of um, you know he he's not nice about it. Like I mean, he's always smiling, but it's like it's really kind of an in your face, like yeah. you know what? Check this out, like and then you know the, the turnaround before it goes in move mm-hmm. um and i steph curry's probably my favorite player to watch on the bench when someone else is going off i mean i love that whole golden state bench uh they they get going pretty good um and you know his his handles you know Kyrie's probably got better handles but i mean curry to me is an easy number 2 if we're if we're just doing those rankings and i think he's he makes just as many good passes as Kyrie does uh 
Steph is is still wildly underrated as a passer. Oh yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's a top ten passer in the league for sure. I, think, I would think he's a top five passer. He's top three among point guards. Yeah, no, I mean, he it's the so the problem with the Warriors and judging passers is because of how many good players they have and because of the actions they run. So many of those passes are to like open guys that aren't going to be that open in typ- typical situations. So it right. might not look as impressive. It's not like he's. They're not always just like barely like a sliver of room to make the pass. There's just so many open passes in that right. offense that it's harder to kind of show off. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. He he is underrated. In that well, I, mean, I think especially the way that Steph has now mastered that, I guess it can go either way, but mostly drive right and then flip it behind his back to mm-hmm. a shooter. Like I, Kyrie did that once last night too, but Steph, like that, it looks flashy, but it's really not flashy at all. Like it's a very effective pass. Mm-hmm. The, the, the time you save when you would be pivoting in the air or jump passing it back like it's really really effective and when you have someone like clay thompson who only needs that half second to get it off it, it makes it all the more effective my number two guy john wall he, like i said he was number one last year he's he's fallen to number two in the ap um he's no one's better in the open court still as a point guard you know you can make an argument for lebron and Giannis in terms of like who do you not want to see charging at you but the way that john wall finishes with both hands i think he's the best offhand finisher in the league um I, I think he's actually ambidextrous like especially if you watch his high school tapes like he prefers to dunk with his left hand obviously he shoots right-handed maybe he should try shooting left but he's he's number two for me uh he's i mean he doesn't have the handle that Kyrie and steph do but he also has a different level of physicality and finishing ability like as much fun as it is to watch steph and Kyrie contort their way and you know fly under the basket and wrap around with the left hand it's also really fun to see wall cross somebody up and dunk on them which you don't see from Kyrie and Steph all right no Uh, comment okay well Well, it's back to me then yeah yeah it does all right number three Joel Embiid would have I would have put him number one well he was number one in the preseason rankings uh but he I wouldn't say he's disappointed but he he doesn't seem to have like the the complete overpowering package that we saw on display so often last year. I mean, and it's still there at times, but I don't think he's quite in the greatest shape and that might be part of the reason he's kind of fallen in love with taking a lot of jumpers. Uh, but he still has that, you know, that ability to, to pump fake from three, take one dribble. And basically he's, he's so big that when he goes up, like a regular Tomahawk dunk almost looks like a windmill because he brings it back so far. Uh, you know I'm a big dunk guy, so ability to <laughs> ability to dunk and ability to look cool while dunking uh, is a huge boost in this category. <laughs> is um, he on your list? I do know you're a big dunk guy, uh, huge dunk guy. No, is it my turn? You went two three, right? Yeah. Yep. Back to you on the wheel. All right. Uh, Joel Embiid is my number three. Okay. Good. So we are in agreement there. Um, I just, I mean, he's just such a force just such a physical freak like i mean part of the reason why i have Giannis number one is just because you're you know every time you watch a bucks game you can see him do something that has literally never been done before and Embiid's the same way mm-hmm. i mean he's doing stuff that no basketball player's really done before when he's on i agree with you that this year has been a little bit of a letdown in just his explosiveness and dominance but uh, i mean his it's not like he's had a bad right. start well, to when i season. say it's been a letdown it's like oh he's not jumping over and dunking right, right. six times a game on other centers like he's been really good and my number four is lebron james really um, yeah uh is this a joke no um 
you know, he, first of all, like, I just love how smart he is uh, offensively, like the types of play, like sometimes you need to actually see the highlights, like slow it down and just kind of see like what he was doing in like some sort of half court set where he can, uh, just with his eyes, he can kind of throw someone open, um, his skip passes are the best in the league. Uh, and I think that's, it's, it might be one of the most underrated aspects of passing when you can make the kind of half court cross court pass to an open shooter and you can have a ton of zip on it because it's just, there's no way the defense can get there in time. Um, I also think like he's had two blocks on Giannis Antetokounmpo so far this season that are just pure, scouting like just him watching Giannis tape and knowing where the ball's going to be when Giannis thinks he's got an easy dunk or an easy layup and and LeBron just gets it right when Giannis has it back behind his head and it's just it's crazy to kind of see someone neutralize someone so dominant as as Giannis in like one-on-one fast break situations where it should just be a dunk like against any player even against like a guy like Joel Embiid or a guy like Rudy Gobert uh, Giannis is finishing those and LeBron just is so smart that he just like kind of pokes mm-hmm. the ball out and takes it. I think that that's really kind of impressive to watch. Uh, I know that at times he slows it down and it's kind of dribble at the top of the key ball and uh, but it's it's fine. I mean you take take the good with the bad at this stage. He does do that a lot and it, it used to frustrate me but I think you kind of broke it down well. Like he's not just holding it to hold it. Like you watch Melo just pivot and pivot and like try to get in his rhythm to make a move. Like he's it's definitely not Melo. No. He's <laughs> he's going through his like progressions like a quarterback does. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. he's like he has in his mind like I think there are guys on the court that are running the same play but don't see it like LeBron does and it's like he's he's checking like all right, this defender's here. This is not going to be open. Let's go. What's option right. 2? And and I think it's more to it's more than just holding it and waiting, you know, for 6 seconds left. Granted, a lot of times it ends up with him stepping back and shooting like an extremely long two and usually breaking it. Uh, but I think, like you said, you take the good with the bad. In terms of his passing, do you buy those stories that came out? I think I think Ray Allen was maybe the first to mention it, and Corver definitely did after the trade last year, that LeBron claims that he like put specific spin on the ball for specific shooters. Like He asked Kyle Corver, how do you want the like the ridges on the ball to be in your hand when you catch it? <laughs> and like, I mean, I don't think Corver was lying about it, but like, no. do you really think LeBron has enough control that he can like literally put the ball not in the right spot, but like have the what do you call those the lines in the ball, whatever yeah, those yeah, are yeah. called, the grip, like where Corver wants it? So it's kind of he's dictating whether it's like forward spin or back exactly, spin yeah. or like kind of how hot it's coming in and and well it's where do you I mean, want it do you want it well, up? Right. do you want it down I mean, do you I, want I definitely think that you know with a shooter like Allen or Corver especially you're going to want to know exactly where on their body they want to catch it right. and I think he absolutely does that uh and I think you I think to like a certain degree um you know, it, it's, it's not like he's going to set it in their hand with, like, the logo, like, by their left thumb or anything yeah. like that. But, like, I, I definitely think, like, if anyone – like, I think he has more impact on how precise his uh, 20-foot, 25-foot passes are than any player that's ever played. Right. He is the only guy in the league that can drive into traffic, and it looks like it's for sure going to be either an offensive foul or he's going to be trapped, you know, in a sea of bodies – 
And then the ball just like squirts out of there right where it needs to be every single time to a wide open shooter. Like you never see LeBron launch one two feet but, too high. Like it, it really is insane. Which is why it's you know it's great. You know they got you know guys like Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose out there right. this year. I mean Knockdown it's, it's just uh, you know more of the same from this, this Cavs offense. Right. Just plug and play, baby. <laughs> so my four and five are are LeBron James and Giannis. Um, okay. LeBron yeah, get Giannis I mean, at five. You have Giannis at five. Uh, yeah, I, right. because like I said, I've we've seen. All right. All right. I think for people outside of Wisconsin, he's easily number one. But I don't know. I've been watching this for a while. Sorry, yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah. know that was a qualifier. It's not an indictment on Giannis. Right. Um, LeBron gets knocked down a little bit. One because I didn't want you to make fun of me for putting him at number one. Two, seen and we've seen all, a lot of him do this for fifteen straight years. And three, he's such a bad ball handler that I I find it tough to watch sometimes. His ball handling has gotten worse every single year. LeBron, yeah, he's he's, he's so. an objectively bad ball handler. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, Do you watch him try to like dribble between his legs nowadays? Like, yeah, it's honestly, so stiff. you know, now that you say that, like, I actually don't. He's rarely dribbling in like a situation like that that I could think of these days. Like, I feel like it's it's usually either just like a power drive, like a post right. up, something like it. He's he's rarely just kind of breaking a guy. When's the last down. time LeBron's like crossed somebody up? It doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> he, he's so good at using his body that he doesn't have to, I guess. But yeah. I think he when he went to Miami, he got too big. Like if you watch his old Cleveland highlights, you know, from 08 or whatever year mm-hmm. you want to pick, like he was breaking guys down the way yeah. Durant does. Well, he kind of lost that ability. It's to me a lot of that is you're you're gonna lose ball handling skills when you start losing lateral quickness and lateral agility just because you can't your body can't stay with yeah. the ball. I think like he if, just got too muscular. Um I mean that's that's a I I haven't uh I, I like that you're a LeBron James handles truther. Um so we had the same three four then, Embiid and LeBron. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I just said my four five. Who is your six so seven? my five six. Five six, yeah. Um Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving. Okay. Uh, to me, Westbrook is kind of your Giannis, where I didn't even really want to put him this high, just because like I like Westbrook. If if we if if I'd been doing these rankings like for the last ten years, I feel like Westbrook would have been number one in like at least four of those years. Like he's been a guy that I've just loved watching. Uh, last year, I kind of hated watching him because of the just. I thought it was kind of a travesty just the way that they were playing um, for his personal numbers. And like it just wasn't, didn't, didn't, nothing really seemed natural. Nothing really seemed in rhythm. But I mean, still, when he's, he still does stuff that no other guards done athletically. Uh, sometimes he's, he's the only player so far in this list that can be unintentionally funny when he, uh, shoots a contested three early in the shot clock. I mean, I I always get a chuckle out of that because it's just such a terrible decision, and he's never going to take any crap for it. Um, I will say he always chases the rebound. Like he'll <laughs> shoot it, and he has that, that he does that little mellow release where there's no follow yeah, through. Like he yeah. just, he, like, it's just like he's trying to get it, it off, just, just flicks flick, it, yeah. and then we'll just dart to get the rebound <laughs> right away because he knew he shouldn't have taken yeah. it. Um, but he can't, he just can't help help himself. Um, and then Kyrie, yeah, I mean he's yeah. he's a dirty ball handler he's got crazy shots around the basket um yeah dirty ball handler like yourself yep <laughs> the rotowire nba podcast is sponsored by fanduel it's fantasy basketball for everyday fans new contests start every day on fanduel that means no busted seasons there's something for everyone tons of content to choose from 
Contests start at just $1. Just pick a contest, select your players, and watch your score add up in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Again, just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. Okay, so my 6-7. I have Ben Simmons at 6 and Steph at 7. So we already talked about Steph, but Ben Simmons is on your list somewhere, right? Yes. Okay, good. I, I knew it. I <laughs> applaud you for not putting him higher than you did. But he's, he's already up there for me. And I think I do generally give a boost to rookies and young guys because there's just more potential for things well, we haven't seen and, with them. Well, just because, you, yeah, you haven't seen them right. as much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like especially guys like us who really like the draft. Like I would prioritize watching a Sixers-Kings game on a lot of nights than, you know, Cavs-Celtics or something. You know, we, we kind of know what, what those teams are about. We don't really know... Uh, what a lot of these rookies are about but as we said at the top I mean Simmons much better passer even than I thought he would be we, th- we thought he'd be a very good passer he's even better considering he has no jump shot still hasn't hit a three the scoring has been fine uh and and again if he doesn't get hurt he's firmly the rookie of the year in in a year that I think most you know if you eliminated Ben Simmons from this uh rookie of the year class since he was drafted in 2016 you know, there's four or five guys you could make pretty good cases for, and I think that's going to continue throughout the season. But he's just been that much better. Do you think he has a chance of starting in the All Star game? And can you tell me if he's listed as a guard or a forward? Can't tell you that because ballots haven't started yet. Obviously, uh, that probably won't come. I thought till. you knew something on that. Like I thought you looked at something and we were like, uh, on Simmons? Never mind. No, on just the All Star ballot in general. I thought you'd already like seen it. Oh, no. uh, maybe maybe not. I don't think so. Maybe okay. I'll, I'll look into that. I guess off the pod, but I would guess he's going to be listed as a guard because the Sixers have been listing him as their point guard. Mm-hmm. So, so that hurts know, his chances. Right now, all star starters because you only get two guards and there's three front court. But I think in theory. But I think he could get it. I think he could be the second leading vote getter among the guards behind Kyrie because like sure. because. Like I mean, we've the already, Philly fan we've, base is going to turn out like, for this. Giannis, LeBron, and Chris Stepps, if they stay healthy, are locks. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think John Wall's a lock. I don't think Lowry's uh, not. Uh, yeah. So not. like, I think Ben Simmons, if he's a guard, actually helps him because I think he has a better chance of beating out John Wall than he does beating yeah. out. Yeah. So that's what it comes down to, right? Is Kyrie versus Wall versus Simmons? Well, Kyrie's in. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wall versus Simmons. Right. Yeah. I, I, all those those three guys that you mentioned: Giannis, LeBron, Kyrie. Who is the who's the fourth? Porzingis. Porzingis. Yeah. If those four stay healthy, mm-hmm. they're starting. Um, yeah. They're. I mean, Porzingis obviously with the New York stuff. Even even if the Knicks are sub five hundred at the All Star break, oh, he might be averaging. He might be averaging thirty and three blocks. Like yeah, and like four <laughs> rebounds. Yeah, and no assists. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, speaking of Kristaps Porzingis, he's on my list. Although it is your turn, so I'll let you go with your seven eight. All right, uh, Nikola Jokic and Blake Griffin. Okay. Uh, Fair. Jokic, just very, very unique player. Uh, I like I like unique players. I love big men that can pass. That's a, a thing I'm a huge sucker for. Uh, and he's a he's obviously a great passer. His his range from three point is pretty ridiculous. That uh, that 41 point game he had, you know, he was hit, he was hitting some from well beyond the three point arc. Uh, he's got probably one of the best floater games in the league he's he's just 
really a really unique offensive player. I love watching him. Uh, Blake Griffin, to me, like I've been wanting him to have his own team for forever. It seems like, and now that he does, like he's had a couple bad games this year, but when he's on and kind of running that offense, it's it's really cool. Like he's hitting like off the dribble three pointers. Like it's just how much better does his jumper look? It's he's crazy. no longer shooting it on the way down, which who would have thought that would help? <laughs> I I mean he put good. in I he. He put in a ton of time. Like he, sh- he might be like a low key candidate for most improved player because I mean he's not going to get that award. But too old. We already debunked that. One. Well, he, he's <laughs> he's too old, and he I think it's was too, too good. good before. Like I mean, the guy's finished top five in MVP right. before, so it's not like he. Yeah. But like he's legit. Like I think he deserves uh, some credit for how. I mean, not only was he rehabbing an injury, but he was getting better at the same time. Yep. I mean, I, huge props to him. He's not on my list. Jokic isn't just he's just not athletic enough. Never never even crossed my mind. <laughs> I like watching Blake, but he he had, has still has too many too many possessions where he just barrels in and like spins and kind of like Tasmanian devils his way into the lane and just flops on the ground. Like that still happens three or four times a game and I don't I don't approve. <laughs> Well, there's stuff that I mean. There's stuff that all these guys do mostly. That but still, it's so it's so bad when Blake does it. All right. He doesn't do it as much as he used to. All right. Um, okay. Fair. So my eight nine, Porzingis, and Chris Paul. I know for a fact Chris Paul is not on your list. Are you, are you serious? I love watching Chris Paul. I, I wait. Jokic is not athletic enough, but Chris Paul is athletic enough. Well, see, hear me out. You're he, more athletic than Chris Paul. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't have to say that. Um, Chris Paul, I'm a huge, huge <laughs> proponent of in-game streetball moves. And okay. and you don't think of Chris Paul as that guy, but he's, he like low-key does a lot of that stuff. How's like, Kemba Walker not on your list? I, I'm not a Kemba Walker guy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, he, kidding me? he's got all the in-game streetball moves. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. No, not the handle. Oh, dude, come he, on. He'll, he'll do like side-to-side cross. He's got a better ups. handle than Chris Paul at this Christ, point. are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Chris Paul will do. Chris Paul was the originator of that move that Kyrie's been doing lately, where he'll he'll go right and like put it through his right leg, which really doesn't do anything other than look. <laughs> you cool. love that crap. It looks so cool. Yeah, you I do that, that at Roto Hoops all the time. That that's due. That's due to Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, he's the only guy that I've seen that I can remember since since the play where Baron Davis did this at UCLA, who's pulled the fake around the. Oh, Rondo actually did it too. <laughs> Rondo might be on my list. He's an honorable mention. <laughs> Any guys who are willing to whip out those kind of streetball moves in the NBA, I have extreme respect for. Chris Paul, also the originator of the fake one-handed pass, but put spin on the ball to spin it back to you as you're going full speed. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. It is impossible. I, I have. Here's the move that I have practiced a lot and have. Uh, I mean, you, as you know, I've never busted it out in a game, so I obviously haven't even come close to mastering mm-hmm. it. But my favorite move is the. Uh, elbow the the Jason Williams, Jason Williams the elbow. No um, one's ever done that except for him, right? Like, like that's that's the move. Like if if somebody did right. that, like they would get into my top. People don't talk enough like, about the fact that Ray LaFrance didn't finish that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he got fouled, right? but you got to finish that. I mean, just that that move, like the balls to do that in in a game. It was even, a rookie, even soft in game. a rookie soft. Well, I guess that's okay, a per- yeah, that's the perfect know, that's the perfect. But I, he's also done it in. Um, I don't know if you saw 
there was I, I don't think it was like Drew League, but it was like some kind of pickup game. Yeah, Orlando Rec League. Orlando yes. Rec League, <laughs> where he did that, and I won. I wanted to know like how many times previously in that game he had tried and failed to do it. If he had just been spending the whole game my, trying to get that video. So my, my best friend from high school and college, uh, the great Adam Roundy, who actually guest hosted this pod while you were gone once last year, nice. took it upon himself in college to become elbow pass guy, and I. I hope Adam's listening to this. He's, I know he sometimes does. I think he was probably like one for 30 career. We used to play pickup like five days a week. And it'd be like, you know, two on one. And it's like, here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> Rifles it out of bounds every time. So like I would, back in the day, I would like practice it a little bit before games. And I just couldn't. I, I could can't never, do it. My I, arms aren't long enough. Like I can't get my I mean, elbows I was like, enough. I was like betting 10% on just even making contact with right. it. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks. You got to have um, some serious like shoulder dexterity. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's my favorite street okay. move. Um, so you, are your 10 done? Uh, I got nine. So I think okay. you, you're at nine, 10 now. I don't know. I I'm, am. I'm yeah, I am. So, so Chris Dapps, Porzingis is nine for me. Ben Simmons is 10. Um, you know, we kind of talked about these guys. Okay. My 10 is bit. Jamal Crawford. <laughs> Jesus. What do you mean? Jesus. <laughs> He fits the handles criteria. Right now? So, right now. I I hadn't really thought about so him much. Washed. I watched him last night. He is so not washed. There was eight seconds left in the second quarter last night. Jamal Crawford got the rebound, and you you knew what was going to happen. When, when, like, he's the best behind-the-back dribbler in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like He can just sit at the top of the key. and like It's not easy to dribble Whoa. only behind your back up the court, and he seems to do that routinely. He's a unique... Uh, He's unique, I think, in like the history of the NBA for two specific uh, qualities. I think he's got a clear top five crossover of all time, and yes. I think he ha- he's obviously the best four point play artist of all time. Oh yeah, I don't think yeah. he doesn't he ha- he has, has the, the record, record already yeah, by yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's those are two pretty cool things to be awesome. Right. With. Another reason that he's on this list. Um, this was back in like when Blake was really dunking on everybody. Mm-hmm. There was that game against Milwaukee, and I believe this was the year before Milwaukee got Jabari. So things had really, really hit rock bottom. The Clippers were up like thirty, and there was a, a run out with just Blake and Jamal Crawford, and you knew something was going to happen. Like crowds on its feet. Jamal Crawford doesn't leave it for Blake. He doesn't throw him like a nice little alley-oop. He catches the ball, jumps, puts it between his legs, lobs it up for Blake, who comes and windmills it. Like, respected Blake a lot for the for the windmill alley-oop. You don't see a ton of that. Uh, but Jamal Crawford's pass is what really made it. And there are how many guys in the league would do that? Two or three? <laughs> he is one of them. Well, uh, can I give you my, my four who missed the cut? And yes. that way you can kind of get a sense of... You you're all about like street ball handles. Right. I'm all about something else. So, swear to God, if Jameer Nelson's uh, on this list, Dion Waiters, Nick sure. Nick Young, oh, yeah. uh, Clay Thompson, and Laurie Markkinen. Clay was almost on my list. I I very like, much appreciate his ability to square up no matter what he's doing, right? I, where he's moving. Nick Young, like my favorite. Honestly, my favorite. Uh, like five minute sequence of this entire season so far was opening night when Nick Young got red hot from three because it was just yep. like, oh man, like, and you could tell, like, as soon as they cross half court, he's just kind of trying to get in position, like, oh yeah, gotta feed me, gotta keep remember me, that, gotta Chaser's keep it going. Girl was going wild during that, se- and sequence. there was there was one play where I forget who even had the ball, like, they didn't get it to him, and he was just so his mind was just Completely. blown, like, he was just like, whoa, like, I didn't <laughs> think I wasn't getting the ball there, but. Are there any guys like recently retired, you know, from the last 10, 15 years who would who would have been on this list in their prime? Arenas was close. Steve for me. Nash. Um yeah. real mature. Penny Hardaway. 
T-Mac. Arenas, I mean, arena, I mean, Prime, is a shoe in. Prime Arenas for sure. Uh, oh. Ray for Alston for me was a big one. Um, I mean, you probably disagree. I Prime, I loved Prime Dirk. Uh, I think Prime Shack for me was cl- was up there. I loved Prime Amari. Mm-hmm. Um, Amari was basically Blake before Blake, mm-hmm. but he never never got that J. And he never had those he had a, handles. He had a pretty he, respectable see, mid-range. He was day. he was Blake as a dunker before Blake, but like Blake has a has a great all-around game. Like oh, he yeah, can he can handle, he can pass, he can shoot. I think um, Amari, you, you're you're doing a disservice to Amari by saying he couldn't shoot at first. No, he, he had shoot. a great like 15 footer. Yeah, but that's he, he it. never went out to three. Right, no. right. And he might have um, if he wouldn't have. His career was basically over at what 30 when he went to the yeah. Knicks. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't okay. really think of anyone off the top of my head, but uh, I mean, like rookie year, Brandon Jennings. Oh, don't even. <laughs> oh, I mean, when I turned on that McDonald's All America game <laughs> in 2009 and saw him with the Gumby haircut doing the thing, like you talk yeah, about guys yeah. who will do street ball moves yeah, in yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. He used to do this move. I don't know if he ever did it in the NBA, but he did it in Italy. <laughs> he definitely did it in his high school mixtape, which I've seen a couple times. <laughs> Where he would, on a full fast break, he would throw the ball out in front of him and then just start, like, waving his arms, like, flailing his arms like crazy. And the defense would kind of look around, like, what's going on? And then he would just kind of touch pass it to whoever was open. And for whatever reason, I used to try to do that so much in high school. And to the point that our coach, like, I do it in practice. He's like, if you ever, ever do this in a game, you're out of here. So I never had the opportunity, luckily. Uh, Okay, anything else you want to hit on? Otherwise, we'll wrap this up. No, I'm good. Nope, nothing you want to get off your chest? Uh, oh no how was arizona you were at uh arizona fall league this past week i heard there's some beer drank there <laughs> uh it was a great time um if you're a, if you're a baseball guy prospects guy check out the article i posted today but there's some fat shaming uh no fat shame you fat shamed a prospect i love fat guys um <laughs> I didn't. I see. I really hope he doesn't like see that or see the screen grab that you had of it and like think that I, <laughs> I think was like will. think that I was like trying to be mean. Like, I mean, look, there's nothing wrong with being a fat athlete, especially like, in baseball. It's kind of respect, you know. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I met, you know, hung out with a lot of people that I usually only interact with on Twitter, and that's always weird, isn't it? Get to when eat you some meet people food. that you've like known for right. it feels like years, and then like, you've only yeah. seen one or two photos of them. And- yeah. No, I mean it's. It, it, it's it's mostly fun uh especially you know once you you know we played a lot of poker drank a lot of beer it was it was a good nice. time so is this like the nba summer league equivalent for baseball in terms of like going uh, to interact and things like that yeah probably well um i would almost say i would actually almost say the combine okay. um summer league i is more kind of like the winter meetings i would say sure um you kind of have more i think there are more diehard like just prospect people at the combine whereas at summer league you're right. gonna get kind of everyone sure. um so yeah it's, it's it's a very prospect centric crowd all right that'll wrap it up we'll be back next week we're sponsored by SeatGeek. we're sponsored by fanduel make sure you use those promo codes that we mentioned earlier fanduel.com slash rw r-o-t-o-m-b-a for seat geek we'll be back next week
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 